Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. This is episode 95. You've got Chris and Brian. And today we're going to talk about uh, a recent training opportunity we had to shoot the CTT Solutions uh, Mech or Marksmanship Evaluation course um, in the dark, in the rain. Um, it was awesome and horrible all at the same time. All at the same time, absolutely. Um, before we get is this something available? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, so let's start off with that. Yeah, this course of fire um, was developed by Mike Pannone at CTT Solutions. Uh, it is available on his website. Just go to the documents page or tab. Um, there's a nice PDF to download, and you can print out. It fits on one 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper. Um, it's got all the scoring things and stuff on there. Uh, we tried to score this, and we kept times all night, but we weren't able to write them down. Because it was raining and yeah. ink pens don't work well on paper that's wet. Yeah, and the, and I'm not going to the trouble of wasting writing the rain BS on on yeah. on this, um, guys. The scoring on this is only somebody who's lived in the government world for an extended period of time could come up with the complicated scoring that that's on this. But it does break down the metrics of what you're doing and what you've done really well to give you an idea of your placement in the world. Um, so, so as you look at the scoring on this, get the numbers, worry about doing the data later. Get, get the numbers, get the data points while you're on the range because the score sheet provides for that. Um, and then worry about taking it home and putting it into a spreadsheet or something like that because to do anything effective with it, you're probably gonna need that anyway. And so we maybe we've gone beyond your little book of notes for your range training sessions. Yeah to, hey, let's get a laptop or something where you can set up an Excel spreadsheet and enter this information in because it will make life easier. But I do think it gives you, this is another one of those set of drills that I think both the drills themselves are very simple. There's nothing crazy out there. It's basic fundamentals of how you make the gun work, which is perfect. And then it's done in such a way that the progression works as well. Um, from a training perspective. So this is very, very simple stuff. I mean, we, we ran, what, six guys through this twice in yeah. the dark, in the rain, in two hours? Less than, a little less than two hours. A little less than two hours. So, I mean, this is something that's really easy. It's also, you could count it up. I'm not a mathologist, but it's about a 40-round course, Yeah, give or take. Um, so not even a box of ammo to go run this and set up a baseline. Um, uh, you, you'll read all this as you see it. But it is this is to be shot cold, and then is not to be attempted um, within an hour or more than two times in one day if you're using it in the fashion they intend you to use it, which is simply as a test. It's a test. Yeah. So yeah, and and it's a test of the skills that you should know how to do, basically. So we're going to run through this uh, and and just talk about this and talk about some of the other things too. This won't just be a podcast about this specific drill. It'll also be about the conditions the clothing, the gear, and some of the things we ran into while we were doing this. So. Yeah, uh, a couple other things. Running through the notes on here, uh, a couple other things to go through. Uh, all strings begin from holster with hands relaxed at the sides. Uh, the target that's specified is a USPSA or an IPSC um, backer at 10 yards. Um, the A, C, and D zone hits on the body are scored as per USPSA minor, so 531. Um, a and Bs in the heads are counted as Ds unless you call out the fact you're gonna shoot the head. Um, so something to be aware of there. Um, yeah, that the, 
the lowest level on any one string um, is the highest level that can be achieved. So this is really intended somewhat as a go, no-go type drill. Uh, misses and procedurals, so improper start position, sequence, number of rounds fired, etc. Excesses a 10-point penalty. Uh, extra shots will be subtracted from the A zone along with the 10-point penalty for uh, procedurals noted above. Uh, if you're shooting this from a duty holster with level 2 retention, subtract 0.25 seconds and close top duty magazine pouches, subtract 0.25 seconds when you have to do a reload on a drill. Uh, same thing if you're running this from concealment, uh, subtract 0.25 seconds for every action from concealment. So 0.25 seconds for the draw, 0.25 seconds for the reload. Um, no IDPA fishing slash photo vests allowed unless that is your duty uniform. Uh, you should be shooting this from a uh, from your care, basically with your carry gun. So no long slide guns, no compensators, etc. Um, holsters and pouches must be specifically designed for concealment use. So this is not a. I'm going to run this from my USPSA race gun rig. Um, and then claim how good I am at the times on this. Yeah, and I would also say that if USPSA is your game and you just want to use this drill for the metrics, then by all means, start with your hands at your ears in the surrender position or wherever USPSA starts you. Um, you know, if you're an IDPA guy and you do wear your, your shoot-me-first vest everywhere, then, you know, go ahead and do it with your shoot-me-first vest. Just understand it's still a shoot-me-first vest. Um, you know, and the same thing would go with like comps and stuff like that. If, if you carry a freaking G34 or a G35 everywhere all the time, then run it with that gun. If you carry a staccato with a comp on it, um, do it up. Um, you know, understand that these were the rules for that group of people at that time. And what he, and I don't know if he uses this, I'm assuming in his classes and stuff yeah. like that. And understand that, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, but if that's how you carry or that's what you actually do, then run it with that gun. Or if you're a comp guy just looking for another set of drills to run, cool, no big deal. Um, modify it as appropriate, but just understand it's modified from what the original intent was. That's all, no big deal. So, cool. Um, yeah, running through the stages here. Um, stage one is a one-shot draw from the holster. Um, time breakdown, and we're going to do this one twice. Um, time breakdowns for level one, two, and three are 1.5 seconds, 2 seconds, or 4 seconds. Uh, total times can't exceed um, twice the drill time. Uh, stage two, um, pair from the holster, so in 1.7, um, 2.2 seconds, or 4.2 seconds. Uh, stage three, which is a shot, a slide lock reload while taking a knee, and then another shot. Um, time, and this comes, I think, from the air marshals, um, Pannon was one of the guys that helped train up a lot of the air marshals right after 9-11. Um, this is a times are three and a half seconds, four seconds, or six seconds. Um, stage four, uh, again, we're going to do this one twice. Uh, all the previous ones get done twice. Uh, pairs from the holster, strong hand only. Um, two and a half seconds, three seconds, or five seconds. Uh, stage five is the build drill, so six shots as fast as you can do it. Uh, we only do this stage once. Uh, two and a half seconds, three seconds, or five seconds. Uh, stage six, we run this one twice. Uh, two targets, two rounds each. The first time through, you shoot it left to right. Um, the second time through, you shoot it right to left. Um, this should be in 2.35 seconds, 2.85 seconds, or five seconds. 
Uh, stage seven, we see this one as well twice. Um, and this is the first time left to right, and then right to left. Um, three targets, two rounds each, um, starting facing uprange so that you've got a 180 degree pivot um, as you do this. Times are fairly aggressive. Yes. Um, three and a half seconds, four seconds, and then six seconds. Well, the, the times for this, if you're shooting in that in that lowest time period peer, you're mm -hmm. a freaking you're a you're probably a master or a GM USA PSA shooter, or you're probably somebody. I mean that that is a. Or I, you I don't work for organizations in the United States government that don't <clears throat> exist. Yeah, I mean the, this is literally. I, I would I hate to use the word world class. But the, the, to, to make some of the low time frame times, you're a pretty damn squared away shooter to be doing that, um, which is fine. And the I got one more stage. Yeah, well, that's fine. I'm just gonna okay. say, just to, you're talking about the times when you you mentioned the time hacks. They are legit at that top yeah. tier, but at the bottom tier, I, I think they're I think they're doable for somebody who's got squared away fundamentals. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Stage eight, so the last stage is at 25 yards. Um, it's a 10-round rapid fire with the reload. So you start with five rounds in the gun and then you know, reload as ne needed. Um, shoot five more rounds. Um, and the times for this are 10 seconds, 20 seconds, or 30 seconds. Um, do you want to just run through like notes from or observations? Yeah, no, stage? absolutely. Absolutely. The, like, like Ryan mentioned previously, um, the evening we ran this, um, we started at 7 p.m., did our safety brief, etc. So by the time we start pulling the trigger, it's probably 10 after. Um, and, and this, so it, this was done essentially as a low light run. Um, the first round through, we used additional light. We used a couple of work lights that, that lit things up moderately well. So and you got a parking lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, you know, you didn't, you really didn't need a weapon light at all to, to ID targets. To, you know, you may, it was hard to see your shots on the, on the target, especially at 25 yards, because there was the diminished light, but still more than enough to PID and shoot. Yeah. Um, it was chilly. For, somewhere between 40 and 45. Yeah, somewhere between 40 and 45 degrees. Um, it was raining off and on, not cats and dogs, but raining. I mean, it was enough that you, you know, if you didn't wear rain gear, you were soaked through probably within about a half an hour, 40 minutes. So it was a steady drizzle. Um, so we had a number of guys, you know, uh, a couple of guys who maybe hadn't, you know, done a bunch of this stuff in specifically the rain gear they had on that night. This is where the, the safety warnings and the, and the attorney stuff comes in. Um, dingle hoppers. Dingle hopper is not the same as a dude. A dude is a turd in a horse's tail um, or a cowboy whose hat's too big. A dingle hopper might also be referred to as something similar to that. We're talking about cord locks um, and things that hang off at the hem of your jacket and that get in the way of your holster, your draw stroke, your reholstering of the gun, especially, and different things of that nature. Um, had a couple guys wearing jackets that they had out for the first time. <clears throat> the other thing you get into with rain gear. Um, not all rain gear is created equal. Um, you know, I've, I have a product made by Outdoor Research that I think is flipping brilliant. The Outdoor Research 4A jacket has um, side vents or pit zips, pit vents that okay. go all the way to the hem of the jacket. It is like flipping cheating. Um, any any rain garment that has significant stretch to it, when you start putting a basically a Cordura nylon trash bag over yourself. Um, and start trying to draw a gun from it quickly without just flat ass cheating. If you're going to unzip the front of your jacket with your gun appendix and walk around the world like that, 
you're gonna get called out because you're not concealing your gun. So when you go to the range to train like that, is that are you being honest with yourself? Are you actually training? Um, having said that, if it's the first time you've done low light draw stroke stuff from rain gear, um, slow things the hell down, work on your draw stroke, work on what you gotta do to get the clothing out of your way, um, just as much work on what you've got to do to get the gun put back away safely without shooting yourself in your dingle hopper um, or shooting yourself in the buttocks or whatever the case may be, depending on where you carry your gun. Um, so the conditions were, were significantly less than ideal or they were perfect, depending on how you want to look at it. From a training perspective, you know, we hear that if it ain't raining, you ain't training. Well, if you, you know, it's wintertime. We're going to be wearing clothing and gear like that probably for the next four or five months. And there's a reality check that this was a phenomenal opportunity to figure out um, why you want to put cat crap on your glasses because it lets the water run off. Um, why do you maybe want to leave that side zip unzipped just a few inches if you're carrying appendix because it gives you more room to move. Maybe why you want to look at sizing up on your rain gear just a little bit so you can actually get your gun out because your European size medium rain gear that looks really cool um, when you're out clubbing um, maybe isn't exactly the best thing in the world for living in the world for the most part. So that those were some of the big uh, takeaways from this were, were not necessarily the shooting aspects of this drill because it's all very fundamental stuff. Yeah. It, was, it had a lot more to do with the conditions and how we were meeting the conditions. Um, the, 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 the take a knee thing um, on the one drill, um, I, I don't think that really was a big deal for anybody from a clothing or gear perspective. I was kind of concerned to see some guys dropping down and then trying to get to a mag pouch because a lot of times when you drop down, it makes your clothing a little bit tighter because you're yep. kind of bunching your body up. Um, I didn't see anybody really struggling with that. Um, I know a number of the guys run the boletum and horizontal pouches, and I think that helps in that position specifically. Um, I think Certainly. a lot of guys also went for the reload as they were going to a knee rather than once they got to a knee, which is totally cool too, I guess. I don't know if that's specified. Yeah. I mean, that, that's one of the... Um one of the thing, one of the stages where being able to do multiple things at the same time is very important. Yep. From an efficiency standpoint, um, if you're you know doing the reload and then taking a knee, or taking the knee and then starting the reload. Yeah. Um, you're spending a lot of time in sequence versus trying to do things in parallel. Yeah. Yes, and that is in that in in being able to do things in parallel, being able to multitask, being able to recognize that hey. I'm flipping the mag out of the gun. I'm dropping to a knee and grabbing that spare mag all at the same time created a lot of efficiencies. We had some guys that had some really slow times on that um, that wouldn't have made, honestly, wouldn't have made even the slowest hack. And then I think there, were, I think the couple times I did it, I was just under six. So I wasn't fast by any stretch, yeah. but I would have made the time hack for the low end of things, which I'm okay with. So, yeah. Um, any, I mean, anything you want to throw out there and add gear, like specifically clothing wise, because that was, I honestly, I think the clothing was the lesson for the night. Yeah. Um, the other thing, like we started adding a whole bunch of layers, yep. finding ways to pre-clear your garment or being able to know technique wise what it takes to grab all of your garments. Yes. So shirt, insulation layer, shell jacket, um, et cetera becomes really important for creating enough space to efficiently get the gun into the fight. Yeah, and I would, the analogy I'd throw out there, if you're throwing on a base layer, an insulation layer, and a shell to go for a hike, and it's cold out, to go for just a, a comfortable, lazy hike, not, hump, not humping it, um, you're going to tuck in that base layer, then you're probably going to put your holster on, and then you're probably going to put that insulating layer over it, and then the shell layer over that. So if you, if you shed your shell layer because you heat up, you, you're shedding heat, you're letting yeah. your, your insulation layer breathe, but you're still concealing the gun. If you were going out somewhere 
in the public and you were throwing on a couple layers because it's bitter cold out or raining out or whatever, when you get wherever you're going to go, you're going to shed that jacket. Is it appropriate for you to not have your gun underneath your next to skin layer at that point? Will it be concealed or not? So how do you walk around the world and train honestly in that regard and set your clothing up like that? If you always wear a base layer tucked in underneath behind your gun, cool, no big deal. Be careful reholstering um, on a training night because things come untucked and that's another thing that'll bite you. So just be aware of that. Um, you know, I went for a hike on Sunday with the family. I tucked the base layer in behind the gun. I don't normally do that. Normally I wear the gun next to my skin, but I knew I was going to be out for hours and I wasn't worried about shedding the jacket that I had on and it wasn't cold enough for three layers. It was only a two layer day in the rain. So, you know, just bear those things out, bear them in mind that when we got ready to leave where we were hiking and got in the car to go home, I went ahead and untucked my base layer and put it over my gun in case I had to get out of the car to get gas, to run in, run an errand, whatever. So be honest with yourself about how you set your clothing up for the day, for the training event. Does it match what you actually do? Or does it match the hardest thing you'll have to overcome? And go with that. Yeah. Um, I mentioned cat crap. Um, it was raining. A lot of us were wearing shooting glasses. If you're wearing a ball cap or a good rain hat, um, you know, having things that are hydrophobics on your lenses, on your glasses are probably less important. Having good glasses still matters from a safety perspective, but also... Um, guys running Oakley's, the water runs off. Guys running everything else, not so much. Um, cat crap, you can find it online. Dig it up. It's good stuff. Um, big hats, Outdoor Research does a great big floppy brim, stupid looking thing that will keep the your melon Seattle dry. Sombrero. Seattle Sombrero. Um, it is a phenomenal piece of kit. Highly recommend it. Um, and it's good right up until the point where it gets bitter cold out. And even then, it's still not too bad. It just doesn't cover your ears. So throw that out there as a nod for those things. Um... Clothing-wise, specifically gear-wise, I don't really have a whole bunch to punch out on that. Other than that, that's a lot of stuff to throw out there. Do you see anybody fighting? Oh, pouches. Um, what gun are you carrying? Do you actually carry that gun? Steve, I'm picking on you. Um, you know, we got a couple guys carrying great big damn guns. Uh, you know, an X5 Legion. Um, and and it, maybe he walks around the world with it. Gets I don't know. Gets back to the, like... Must have factory slide to frame dimensions, no long slide guns, no comps. Yeah, and I'm not going to put the X5 in the long slide, but it is a big damn gun that I don't think most people are carrying appendix. But hey, that's cool. Um, so let's talk about the equipment into things outside of clothing because, uh, and, and yes, yeah, Steve, I'm picking on you. Um, there are a couple things that came up. You got a big gun, you got a flashlight on it. Can you reach the flashlight with a big gun? Do you need to maybe modify? Uh, we talked about uh, Filster makes a product that you can put on your Surefire X300 to give the little toggles a little more reach that you can get back to if you've got short hands. Um, on a big gun, those things become more critical. On a small gun, they're probably a little less critical. Uh, the actual holster itself, you know, is it a good concealment holster? Can you get in and out of it? That's cool. Mag pouches. If, if you don't carry a spare mag, I, I, in this day and age, I'm not going to call you out on it. Over the summertime when it's, when it's hot out and I'm wearing just a t-shirt and shorts and stuff like that, Depending on where I'm going, I may not carry a spare mag, at least not on my person. And I know, oh my God, I'm going to go to hell. La, la, what if the gun, what if the mag fails? La, okay, cool, whatever. We're past that now. Um, you know, that's that's your call. But in the wintertime, I carry a spare mag pretty much all the time. And in certain environments, I carry a spare mag all the time. Or three. Or three, depending on where I'm at. Um, so, you know, bear in mind, if you're if on, from a training perspective, if you're going out there and you're shoving mags in your pockets and shit like that, if that's where you carry your spare mag, stop it or get a Neo mag or get a good pocket mag pouch. Um, there are a number of companies that make stellar leather mag pouches that go in your pocket. The mag comes out of them quickly. They index the mag really well. 
Um, I think the Neo Mag is a good product as long as you don't wear your pants really tight. Um, if you wear more fitted clothing, then you'll have issues with the Neomag popping in and out of the little the little magnet thingy if you squat down or get back up and stuff like that. But there's some different options out there. Figure those things out. Um, I still haven't found, for me anyway, a better solution than Boledeman's horizontal maglor. So, you know, whatever that works for you from an equipment perspective, figure that out. Um, what else popped up equipment-wise? Did anybody get water on there? I didn't notice anybody running optics that had water on the lenses. Yeah, that wasn't the problem. Didn't, uh, didn't we'll get into the lights in a little bit. Okay, cool, cool. So, yeah. um, um, go ahead. I, I, I don't want to beat up equipment too much, but just again, those are things we experienced. Yeah. So, and these are real world things. So, yeah. Um, going back to the the stages here, uh, stage four. Um, this was the first time we'd done really like pistol drills in a little while, yep. um, shooting strong hand only, I think caught a couple people off guard. Um, yeah, yep, this one, this guy, that was a bit, seemed a bit slow overall. Um, the build drill, same kind of thing. There were a few of us that like, okay, build drill time, hammered out. Other people were like, uh, I'm supposed to shoot how many shots? Well, we had a couple, uh, we had counting, a couple. Counting became a problem. Yeah. Well, we had a couple guys shoot like three, three pairs. Yeah. Rather than hammering out, you know, six quick shots or whatever. The cadence issues, I think, are a little bit yeah. more we're talking about. Um, if, if I can throw on something with the build drill, most phones you can download a metronome app. Get the metronome app, set it for a second per shot, then set it for three-quarter of a second per shot, then set it for a half a second per shot, and push your times down by trying to keep up with the metronome. Um, we'll teach you how to drive the trigger, get off the trigger, drive the trigger, get off the trigger, drive the trigger, get off the trigger, off the trigger consistently, and work on cadence, cadence drills. Yeah. Google them. They're out there. Um, stage six, uh, two rounds per target, um, two targets. We had a number of shooters that shot all three targets cause there were three targets in an array. Yeah. Um, so being, this is where, you know, again, we're, we're six stages into this. Yeah. Um, you know, you're shooting this on the timer, you got dudes watching you, the ability to stay mentally on task um, starts to get more important. Um, as we get into this, um, stage seven, I thought given the, um, uh, clothing, weather, et cetera, um, uh, almost all of us were right around that six second mark or a little over it. Um, uh -huh. uh, so that's when, you know, saying this, the times for stage seven seemed very aggressive. Um, even for that, like level three, um, that's just my observation. Um, state I, I, I also saw a lot of guys though. When you get into the, let's like the 25-yard versus 5-yard draw. The 5-yard draw is a lot faster than the 25-yard draw, but it shouldn't be. Draw should be identical, yeah. right? So I, I think I, I think one of the things that I observed was, and the same thing with this, that stage 6, two shots and two shots, um, you could hear the cadence of boom, 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 versus boom, 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 boom you know, that four shots in a row. Um, the cadence changes because you're trying to figure out something rather than working on everything at the same time. And I think that turn up range, people weren't necessarily turning super aggressively. Yeah. And a couple of the guys from a safety perspective wanted to make sure they turned, then drew their weapon rather than turning on the pivot and getting the gun down range. And that's, I, I get, you know, brother safe than sorry. I get yeah. it until you're, until you're comfortable with it. So I think that drove part of it, but I, I think there's like that, I don't want to say lackadaisical, but lack of aggression. Yeah. I want to be aggressive in what I'm doing. Efficient, whatever you want to call it. So does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Um, stage eight, the 25 yards, 10 round rapid fire. 
Uh, this was very rapid. Um, I think everyone was right around 11 or 12 seconds, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, and again, we didn't really, you know, pass around the score sheet or try to strategize the score sheet when we did this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everyone probably would have been better off really taking their time, being like, okay, we're shooting this level three times tonight. Well, the way you explained it that that night was if you're not going to be in the 10, don't be in the 10. Yeah. Use the 20 seconds and get all A's. Because we had some guys who dropped maybe two or three or four shots from 25 yards out of the A, not off the target, but yeah. out of the A, and they would have been better off to have gone ahead and used the full 18 or 20 seconds. Or 30 seconds. Yeah, well, yeah, either way. Um, but the only problem with going to the 30 seconds, then it would have dropped you into that low zone for all of them anyway, but, but most of us were already there. Yeah, as, yeah. Soon as, you, you know, as soon as you miss that level two part-time and one drill, like you're, you're, there, for the you're rest. there for the rest of exactly. it. Exactly, so you've been better off to have aced, aced that out. But that's another that's another part though of simply understanding the test, right? I mean that that's another yeah. part of it's like there are some other drills and some other things we've done like that where you understand that this is speed weighted or this is accuracy yeah. weighted. In this case, if you weren't going to make the time hack anyway, d- then slow the hell down a little bit and make the accuracy and go on. So yeah. there's that weighting and understanding what it is that's being pushed. Um, yeah, we and we had some interesting things happen too. Um, the second run on this was a little bit later. Uh, I, th- I think all of it, I would say, was pretty dark. But we went to weapon-mounted guns only. This was about like 7.55, 8 o'clock. Yeah. So we went to weapon-mounted lights um, on the guns. No additional lighting at 25 yards in a rural area in the rain. No additional light, etc. So it was flipping dark. Um, I think everybody was running enough light. I don't think anybody was having a problem with target mm-hmm. discrimination. Um, but smoke... Everybody's running ammo that's, you know, practice ammo, training ammo, et cetera. And, and it was creating quite a bit of smoke. And the conditions were leaving that smoke in the air in front of you. It wasn't blowing away. And we actually had one guy who had a, a nice, actually had a nice group, but it was literally about seven inches to the left, eight inches to the left of where it was centered. Yeah. And it was like one of those things where like, yeah, once I got the first couple shots off, I really couldn't see. So I just tried to hold and be consistent. Then it's like, okay, you know, I, I get it. But literally, you walked down range and looked at his target. There was a group that was, it would have been in an eight-inch IDPA for sure. It probably would have been almost all inside the ver- the, the rectangular center on the Ipsic. Yeah. Um, but it was just pushed off to the left, biased to the left, about seven inches off center. All combat acceptable hits for sure. Uh, but it was one of those things where it's like, oh, smoke, look at that, huh? Um, and you know, and that was one of those things where it's like, once it was done, it was done. It wasn't really a teachable moment where you move around it and figure out how to make it work, but it was an observation. So, yeah. Um, I would say everybody was running either X300 ultras, um, either the 600 or the thousand lumen generations. Yep. Um, TLR1 HLs. Uh, I think Andrew had a TLR 7A. He's running a 7A. Um, it worked very well for him. Uh, what's Mac J running? On that forty-eight, I think he's he's got to, he has to be a TLR six. Okay, so the and, and again enough light. Surprisingly, um, the six is not a light that I'm super crazy about, but it's your options are limited yeah. on that gun, um, and he definitely makes it work. And and also to the point of that group being off, only being off that far was the sign of a pretty damn consistent shooter. Yeah. Um. So so that was that was not a that was not a negative so much as a shit happens and you work through it. So. I would say like he was one of the last guys to go. Yeah. Um, and as the night got later, we actually got more ambient illumination from the moon yeah. and some other things. Um, I know a couple of guys, when they were running dots, the stuff up close at 10 yards, were able to just run the dot yeah. 
without their light going on because yep. uh, they could see the outline of the silhouette. Yep. Um, on one of the strong hand only um, strings, I forgot to turn my light on and just use my orange ring of death yep. front night sight and I think made acceptable hits on the target. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's where, you know, having the, or t- taking the time to get the reps in uh, and learning how to run your light with one hand, with both hands, with, you know, turning it on, turn it off. Because uh, ideally, you know, in the the times when you're doing the reload, um, the light should go off during the reload. Um, so that if you needed to move or whatever, you're not saying, hey, this is where I'm at. Lower here shooting now. at me. Yeah, lower here now. Yeah, um, uh, d- definitely th- those, those things popped up. Uh, you also mentioned the dot. Um, under the heading of know your equipment, one of our guys uh, is running a, a str- uh, stream light, good Lord, running a Trijicon RMR 06 Type 2, which is kind of the generic standard for handgun optics right now. Um, the 06 is a 3.25 MOA dot. The Type 2 can be run either in an auto adjust mode for the brightness of the dot or in a user adjust mode for the brightness of the dot. If you turn the device on with both buttons, it goes automatically into into auto adjust mode. Um, if you turn it on with one button or the other, it goes automatically into the manual adjust mode. One of the only places that I've seen dot optics, especially auto adjust dot optics, fall down on defensive handguns is when you are in an environment where you do not, if you're inside a structure or a house where you've got lit walls and stuff like that, the lights bouncing back at you, the auto adjust feature on the RMR Type 2 works brilliantly. If you are out somewhere where there's no light getting reflected back to you, you're 30 feet from the backstop, and the backstop is grass and dirt and is absorbing light dramatically, uh, it does that really well, you're not getting the splash back to make the dot bright enough to pick up quickly. It's there, and you can find it. If you find yourself searching for the dot, use the damn irons. That's, That's they're why they're there. Um, and so we had some guys struggle with that, um, you know, and... and and then, you know, I said, hey, uh, you know, it looks like I think there's something wrong with my optic. Um, no, the user interface is, there's an air gap there a little bit. Um, so basically, we reset the optic for the second run, put it on auto, or put it on manual adjust, made it bright enough to be seen, but not so bright as to be blinding, um, and complete and total improvement. But under the heading of Know Your Gear, um, if, if I were going for a hike somewhere in the dark, like I knew the trail, so I was going to go out for a walk at night or whatever, and I knew there wasn't going to be things nearby to splash light back at me, I would take my gun out. I would adjust my optic to manual adjust and go on. Um, it's no big deal. It's not hard to do, and it's not hard to change back. It will probably suck up some extra battery if you left it there forever. Um, but other than that, just understand your tools. Understand your tools. Understand what you're using and how it works, um, and, and know how to adjust it appropriately. So. Yeah. Uh, I would say this is an excellent... Um, course of fire provided you got the facility where you can run it. Yep. Um, it's a really good use of ammo, especially in today's um, ammo scarcity type conditions. Yes. Uh, this would also be a great course of fire to run dry fire at home, either yep. at the proper distance or if you can't get you know ten yards in your basement or whatnot, um, do you know reduce size targets um, a little bit closer. Um, but all you know critical skills to have. Um, teaches you, I think, a lot of things. And again, you know, fairly unforgiving scoring and time standards to really keep you honest. Yeah. The other thing that doing this dry fire would teach you, um, it would also give you an opportunity to work on calling your shots. 
um, especially the single shot drills or the stuff where you can do, you know, it really would let you see what that front sight's doing as you stroke the trigger because it's still dry fire even yeah. though you're running it. So, um, you know, do what you got to do to make that work. But I totally agree with that. So, yeah. Uh, a big thanks to Mike Panone for putting this together for making a downloadable score sheet. Yes. That you can download and take the range and try to run times and scores and things on when it's not raining. Keep metrics. Yeah, when it's not raining. Um, absolutely. So, uh, and guys, some of the one of the guys also pointed out um, if you were uh, hardcore about this and you, you know you could laminate this and take a grease pencil with you, um, you know if you really wanted to do that, uh, this you know that wasn't super critical for us in this particular deal. Um, but this is one I would like to do in the future, and again, put another one in the training book as a baseline yeah. to know what the score was, because um, that's I, I, I do think this was valuable, especially as simple as it is. I think it's valuable. Yeah, and I think on here there's enough, you know, enough difference in things that it'll show you weak points that could get worked on or additional attention. And I would say that's um, absolutely the point. At. Yeah, I'd say that's absolutely the point. I mean, if you go down and look at the when you guys see the scoring sheet the bottom right block where you have your, your time standards level and stuff like that. Um, it's easy to go look at each block for your accuracy. And then it's, it's super easy to go look at the last block for your speeds and understand where you need to be on that. So, yep. Yeah. And I guess the last thing you know, he calls out on here, um, based on your scoring. Um, so the time, like you get a level one, two, three, based on your times, you also get a marksmanship, uh, either an expert sharpshooter, or marksman level rating um, based on your accuracy yeah. on the target. Um, so a lot of a lot of stuff going on here, um, good metrics, yeah. good, I would say, inspiration to create other courses of fire and things like that too. Yeah, I would, yeah, the, uh, and along the scoring, I would say your push would be, you know, if, if you're a new shooter pushing for the expert metric on the marksmanship, and worrying a little less about the times, yeah, right, and then but make sure you're trying to maintain that expert or sharpshooter level of marksmanship, and and make it you know, and then hold on to your times as you can, and, and just get better. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, I enjoyed it. Good stuff. Cool. Uh, yeah, if you got questions and whatnot, um, please come see us in the store. We're in Hilliard, Ohio, uh, 4465 Cemetery Road, and uh, we're right in front of Aldi's, um, directly next to Louis Fusion Grill. Um, likewise, you know, we come across stuff like this. We tend to post it on social media along with new inventory and things we get in the store. Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as long as they let us stick around. Um, you can just search for Cap City Outfitters and follow us on there. Uh, we do an email newsletter once a week. Uh, you can sign up for that on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, or drop us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com, and we will happily sign you up for that. And on our website, you can find valuable information such as how to do an FFL transfer or uh, how to buy a suppressor from our storefront on silencershop.com. Uh, we've also got the silencer shop kiosk in the store um, to make it really easy to do the fingerprints and whatnot for a Form 4 submission. Um, yeah, lastly, we are still running COVID-related hours, um, 10 to 5 Tuesday through Saturday. Um, and limiting it to four customers in the store at a time so everyone can maintain proper social distancing according to Mini Mike's tyrannical decrees. Um, yeah, come in, check out our social distancing stickers. You'll probably get a kick out of them <laughs> uh, or kick the person that's on them. Either um, way. Yeah, hope to see you soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in, guys.